0: I'm going to ask you tonight to please open your Bibles to the book of Romans, book of Romans chapter 10, book of Romans chapter 10, and as soon as you find the book of Romans chapter 10, I'm going to have you hold that place in your Bible because we're going to come back there in a few minutes, but if you'll find Romans chapter 10 and mark that with a pen or a pencil or a piece of paper or something. We'll come back there in a few minutes. And then if you would turn to Jeremiah chapter 10. We're actually going to begin tonight in the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to begin in chapter 10. Romans in the New Testament, of course, chapter 10. And then Jeremiah chapter 10. We're going to begin in Jeremiah. So find Romans and mark that. And then please turn to Jeremiah in the Old Testament. And find chapter 10 of the book of Jeremiah And We're just going to read uh, one verse tonight. We read quite a few verses this morning. Tonight we're just going to begin with one, and then we'll read a few more when we uh, get to to the book of Romans. So did you find Jeremiah chapter 10? I hope you did. That's where we're going to begin tonight. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for coming back tonight. And those of you that are visiting, uh, thank you for being here with us uh, also. Jeremiah, I'm going to read one verse. Jeremiah chapter 10, and I'm going to begin, I'm going to read uh, verse 23. Jeremiah 10, verse 23. The prophet Jeremiah writes, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. This verse tells us that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man to direct his ways. If I could somehow take you to the very center of a desert, a desert that was wide enough that you could not see any mountains in the distance, you could not see any um, trees in the distance, and I could somehow get you there at exactly 12 noon when the sun was directly overhead, you would have no idea where to go because it is not in man to direct his own steps. You know, if I could somehow get you to the very middle of the ocean where you could not see either shore, and I could get you there somehow on an overcast day or overcast night where you could not see the sun, you could not see the stars, you would have no idea where to go because it is not in man to direct his own way. You know, we're not like some of the animals that can direct their own way. You know, for example, take the geese. It amazes me that the geese can fly from northern Canada all the way to Mexico or even, in some cases, Central America, and they don't have a GPS. (laughs) They don't have a Rand McNally Road Atlas. (laughs) They just somehow get there. It's in them. A few years ago, there were some scientists that captured some wolves that were in a pack of wolves out of their dens in uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota, near St. Cloud, Minnesota. They put a tracking device on a couple of those wolves and through that tracking device they found that those wolves left St. Cloud, Minnesota and went east until they got almost to Green Bay, Wisconsin. When that pack of wolves was just on the outskirts of Green Bay, Wisconsin they turned south and they went almost to the Illinois border. When they got just about to the Illinois border they turned and started northwest. And exactly to the week, one year later, after they left those dens in St. Cloud, Minnesota, after traveling 2,600 miles, they wound up back in the exact same dens they had left a year before. It's not in man to do that. I grew up much like some of you did, I'm sure. I happened to grow up in Louisiana, but I'm sure my growing up was very similar to some of you. I spent much of my time as a boy in the woods and then in in Louisiana, also the swamps and the sloughs and the bayous, the creeks, the lakes, the rivers of uh, Louisiana and East Texas. There were three boys in my family. I was the middle boy. My dad treated all three of us exactly the same in that when we were four years of age, he started taking us hunting with him. He would let us walk along beside him, and if he saw something running, he would shoot it. If he saw something steal, he would get down on his knee, he would hold the gun, let us look down the barrel with the gun against his shoulder, and he'd let us pull the trigger. When we were five years of age, he would let us hold the gun while he was kneeling beside us, helping us hold it and aim it and pull the trigger. When we were six years of age, he would hand us the gun and let us shoot something by ourselves with him there with us. When we were seven years of age, he had a youth model Stevens 410 bolt action shotgun. He would let us carry that shotgun with him in the woods and go hunting. When we were eight years of age, he would do the same thing. And then when we turned nine years of age, that fall, all three of us did exactly the same thing. He would let us take that gun with our dog and go into the woods and go hunting by ourselves because he had trained us. He had two rules. Number one, you could not take anybody else with you He knew he had trained his nine-year-old boy to handle a gun and know what he was doing and hunt by himself. But he knew if there were two nine-year-old boys in the woods, you may have problems. So number one, you had to go by yourself if you were not with him. Number two, you had to come home with the same number of shotgun shells you left with or enough game to add up to the number of shells you left home with. You weren't allowed to just go in the woods, start shooting at anything that moved. You had to know for sure you were going to kill something. And he did that for each one of us. And so I spent all of my childhood, much of my teen years and some of my adult life fishing, hunting, hiking, camping, trail riding, over, overnight horseback trail riding, frog gigging, uh, running trot lines, whitewater rafting. Uh, later, when I moved up north, snowmobiling, four-wheeling. I have um, hunted or trapped Fox, squirrels, rabbits, coons, quails, ducks, doves, geese, pheasant, deer, elk, wild boar. We hunt wild boar in Louisiana a little different than some folks do. We don't sit in a stand like a deer stand and shoot one that walks by. We chase them with what we call bay dogs. And when the bay dogs bay them up, then we have two pit bulls. We turn them loose, and they go in and take the boar down. One holds him by the ear or the jaw or something. The other one's got a back leg or something, and hold him down. We have a customer with us. We guide for this. My brother does, and I've been with him many times. And the customer, we give him the knife, and then he kills the wild boar with a knife while the pit bulls hold him down. I've hunted bear, not with a knife, but I've hunted bear, uh, coyotes, Cougars, water moccasins, rattlesnakes, gators. By the time I was nine years of age, I was allowed to leave home early in the morning before daylight with my dog and my gun and a lunch. And I was allowed to stay out as long as I wanted, come home after dark, many, 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 many nights. I've uh, walked through uh, Mr. Sykes' pasture coming up from Mr. Bozeman's woods and, and, uh, out, uh, and down past our barn, uh, by, the, by the just the faint light of the moon to, to get home from, from hunting all day. By the time I was a teenager, I was allowed to hunt and fish and camp for up to three days and three nights at a time by myself in on the bayous and in the swamps of uh, Louisiana. My hunting and fishing and camping and all of that has taken me throughout Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas, Florida, Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, Virginia, West Virginia, Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, especially the uh, upper peninsula, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Montana, Idaho, Washington, Wyoming, Colorado, California, Arizona, Oregon, Alaska, uh, Alberta, uh, uh, Ontario, and Manitoba, Canada. I've been on more creeks, streams, bayous, rivers, lakes, bays, gulfs, and oceans than I could list. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere and I'm almost there. Multiple times I've been in the Ozark Mountains, the Smoky Mountains, Blue Mountains, Blue Ridge Mountains, Cumberland Mountains, Rocky Mountains, Cascade Mountains, Bitterroot Mountains, and Bighorn Mountains. I've been in the Washita National Forest, the Ozark National Forest, Pikes Peak National Park, Grand Mesa National Forest, Rocky Mountain National Park, Florida uh, Keys, the uh, Ottawa National Forest, the Glacier National Park, Flathead National Forest, Grand Canyon National Park, Mount Hood National Forest, Black Hills National Forest, Badlands National Park, Smoky Mountains National Park, Cherokee National Forest. Stay with me. I'm just about there. I want to make one statement. Mount St. Helen National Park, Olympic National Park, Yellowstone National Park, Grand Teton National Forest, the Chippewa National Forest, the King Ranch in Texas, Terra Nova National Park, Newfoundland, Canada, the International Boundary Waters, the Shoshone National Forest, all over the Kenai Peninsula of Alaska. And here's the statement I want to make I have never, one time in my life, ever been lost. Not one time have I ever wondered, how did I get here? Where am I? Where do I go next? How do I get back from where I came from? And you say, well, if the way of man is not in himself and it's not in man to direct his steps, then how could you hunt, fish, hike, horseback ride, overnight trips, canoeing, camping, whitewater rafting, four-wheeling, wave-running, snowmobiling, kayaking for day and night for up to seven days at a time and never be lost. By the time I was nine years of age, my father had taught me to use, he never used this phrase, but that's what I call it, he had taught me to use reference points. He had taught me that when I go into the woods, when I go into some new woods I've never been in before, to pick out a reference point or some reference points. Now, he never called them that, but he told me, pick out a fence or a creek or a shoreline or a game trail or a pipeline or a highline or a valley or a mountain peak or even the sun according to what time of the day it is. Or even the moon at night did a lot of hunting at night with coons and other things. Uh, he, he, you know, the moon rises in the east and sets in the west just like the sun does. Uh, on a different rotation. But he taught me to pick out a fence and follow that fence into the woods, keep it in sight the whole time I was in the woods, and then follow that same fence back out if I was in a new wood I'd never been in before. Or to take a, uh, a, 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 a river or a stream and follow it upstream and then turn around and follow it back downstream. I remember many nights coon hunting and following the dogs and the coons Cross the bayou and wading through the bayou or sometimes swimming across the bayou and crossing it back and forth multiple times as it meandered through the forest and, and wondering, you know, where, you know, which way is the bayou flowing because it never runs uh, uh, steadily like a, like a river does. And so we'd throw an acorn in the water and watch and wait and see which way it started floating. And we knew that's the way the water was running. We'd be able to get back out. and. And uh, and the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man to direct his steps. Well, then how does the Lord direct our steps? How does the Lord order our steps, as the Bible tells us, if the Bible says that the, uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord? Well, how does the Lord do that? How does he direct our steps? Well, he does it the same way my father taught me to get around in the woods he gives us some reference points. And one of the reference points that he has given us, in fact, the main one and the best one, is this book I hold in my hand tonight. This book is a reference point. It will never change. It has never changed. There have been men who have tried to change it, but they were not able to do so. They came up with a false Bible, a fake Bible. It's not a new Bible. It's not a different Bible. It's a fake Bible. It's a false Bible. It's not the Bible. There can only be one Bible. There can't be two of them. And I have the one for the English language in my hand tonight. And this book is a reference point. This the, the, the Bible. The, the Bible says the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The Bible says order my steps in thy word. The Bible says make me to go in the path of thy commandments. The, one of the reference points that God has given me and God has given to all of us is this book right here. And, and, uh, and, and then God has given us some other reference points. In many cases, those of you that are sitting in here in the room tonight, some of you young people and teenagers, God has given you parents as a reference point. God has given you a mom and a dad that have used this book as a reference point for their life. They've used this book as a reference point for which church they will attend. They've used this book as a reference point for what they believe. They've used this book as a reference point for how they've reared you. They've used this book as a reference point for how they're going to get to heaven. They've used this book for a reference point to teach you how to get to heaven, and you can use your parents as a reference point. The Bible says, "My son, "...hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother." The Bible says, My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. The Bible says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. Two of the reference points that God has given us that I've mentioned tonight is this book and our parents. In many cases, our parents are wonderful reference points. Another reference point that God has given us, especially those of us that attend a church like this one or like the one that I attend in Hammond, Indiana, God has given us a pastor. The Bible says, I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. You know, it wasn't Brother Gammon's idea to be your pastor. It wasn't Brother Gammon's idea to be a pastor. It wasn't any man's idea for there to be pastors. That was God's idea. It was God's idea to create the world. It was God's idea to create me and you. It was God's idea to let His Son Jesus die on the cross to pay for our sins. And it was God's idea, as much as it was God's idea to write this book, as much as it was God's idea for there to be a Calvary, as much as it was God's idea for there to be a heaven, it was God's idea for us to have a pastor. And our pastor is one of our reference points. Not only our pastor, but the preaching that he preaches. If you would now, turn to the book of Romans and turn to chapter 10, if you would. Romans chapter 10. God has given us reference points, this book. He's given us reference point, in many cases, our parents. He has given us a reference point in our pastor, and he's given us a reference point in the preaching that our pastor preaches to us. Look in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Tonight we saw a couple of young people who got baptized. The reason they got baptized was because they had been saved. They didn't get baptized to get saved. They didn't get baptized so they could go to heaven. They got baptized to show us outwardly that they had already been saved inwardly. They showed us tonight that they were already going to heaven because they trusted Christ as their Savior. Getting baptized does not save you. Just for example, this ring right here that I wear does not love my wife. (laughs) That ring symbolizes the fact that I love my wife. That little piece of metal right there doesn't love my wife. I love my wife, that piece of metal shows people that I have a wife that I love, and that's why I wear that little piece of metal. The, the ones that got baptized tonight did not get baptized so that they could go to heaven. They didn't get baptized so they could join a church so they could go to heaven. They got saved because they trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and now they know they're saved, they know they're going to heaven, so they got baptized to show us that they had done that. But the Bible says... For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those young people that got baptized tonight, the way they got saved was at least in their heart and maybe out loud with their mouth, they called upon the Lord. And they said to the Lord, Lord, I know I've sinned. I know I deserve to go to hell, but I don't want to go to hell. I'll tell you the night I got saved, I got saved for one reason. It wasn't because I was spiritual. It wasn't because I was pious. It wasn't because I loved God. It wasn't because I was a good person. It wasn't because I wanted to be a good person. I got saved for one reason. I didn't want to go to hell. And so that night I trusted Christ as my Savior because I I knew that trusting Christ as my Savior was my assurance that I could go to heaven. And the Bible says here that for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But look at verse 14. How then shall they call upon Him in whom they have not believed? You can't call upon the Lord to save you until you've believed in the Lord. And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And and how shall they uh, hear without a preacher? It's the preaching of the Word of God that that brings to us the realization that, that there is a Savior that can save us. The reason we have church is not so that we'll have something to do on Sunday night because none of us can find anything else to do. The reason we have church is not so that somebody can sing a very nice special like they did tonight so that we all know they have a good voice. The reason we go to church is not so that uh, the pastor will have a job. No, the reason we go to church, the reason you're here tonight, even if you're a visitor, the reason you're here tonight is so that somebody can take this book that God wrote and preach to you or say to you that that there is a God in heaven that loves you and He died for you and He wants to save you so you can go to heaven someday. And you won't know about that God unless somebody tells you about Him. It says in verse 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And then look at verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is what you have to put in Christ. You have to say to Christ, I know I can't get myself to heaven, so I'm going to put my... Faith in you to take me to heaven. You know, when I was a little four-year-old boy, I couldn't find my way through the woods. But you know, I always got through the woods. I never one time got lost as a four-year-old boy. And I'll tell you exactly why. It wasn't because I was smart. It wasn't because I was intelligent. It wasn't because I understood everything that was going on. It wasn't because I was a good little boy. I got through the woods for one reason. I put my faith in my Father. And my father knew where he was going, and I followed him. And Jesus Christ knows the way to heaven. Nobody in this room tonight has ever been to heaven. Not one single person in this room tonight has ever been there and back that can tell us how to get there. But Jesus Christ came from there to this earth and went back there. He knows how to get there. And tonight, if we put our faith in him, when we die, we'll be able to go to heaven someday. And you know, the more reference points you have that all match up, the better off you are. You know, I remember one time my two brothers and I and my father, the four of us, one time in our life we got to go on a big hunting trip together and we all went to the Grand Teton National Forest near Jackson Hole, uh, Wyoming. And I remember I had preached in Cheyenne, Wyoming the night before on a Sunday night. And we drove all night, Sunday night, across the state of Wyoming to the Grand Teton National Forest. And we got there on Monday morning a little before daylight. We got out of our trucks and we set up a camp real quick. They had some horses waiting on us. And we got on those horses and we started up the side of this mountain. None of us had ever been there before. But that morning as we made our way up the side of that mountain, we could see the Grand Tetons off to our left they were, they were off in the distance. All morning long as we were going up the side of the mountain, you could see the Grand Tetons on our left. On our left, there was also a river down in the valley, and that river, was we were, we were going upstream of that river all morning long. All morning long as we were going up the mountain, the uh, sun was, was on our, our right all morning long. About 1 o'clock that afternoon, I remember my dad said, Well, boys... I guess it's about time we better start back to camp. And that was the first time it dawned on me, oh yeah, where is camp? You know, where where is camp? We've been here all day today. We've ridden all over the side of this mountain. But you know the most amazing thing happened. My dad turned his horse around. He started down the mountain that we had been going up all morning. The river that had been on our left, now it was on our right. We'd been going upstream, now we went downstream. The Grand Tetons that had been on our left all morning were now on our right. And the most amazing thing happened just a little after dark that evening... <laughs> we rode back into the same camp we had left that morning because we had several reference points that all agreed. Can I tell you tonight, you are very fortunate to be in a church where the reference points all agree. This book agrees with what your preacher says. Or better yet, what your preacher says agrees with this book. And in many cases, those of you that are here tonight, you have parents who their life matches up with this book. No, they're not perfect. No, they, 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 they don't live exactly the way Jesus lived when he was here on this earth, but they basically have a pattern of life that says, I'm trying to make some effort to match my life up with this book. And you're very fortunate that you have some, uh, or maybe you're here tonight as a guest, and you have a friend that invited you here tonight, and that friend is making some effort to live his life by this book. And that friend has put his faith in the God of this book. And your friend in this church and that pastor in this book all match up. Now, the only reference point you need is this book, but it sure helps when you've got some others that kind of match up with it. When I was in the 4th, 5th, and 6th grade, I had a best friend by the name of Tim Jamar. In fact, we were such good friends that every other Friday night, Tim Jamar came and spent the night at my house. On Saturday morning, we would get up and go out behind my house down through Mr. Sykes' pasture to Mr. Bozeman's woods, and Tim and I would play all day on Saturday in Mr. Bozeman's woods. The other Friday night, every other Friday night, I would spend the night at Tim's house. Saturday morning we would get up and we would go across the road behind Mr. Carter's house down into the woods behind Mr. Carter's house where there was a bayou down there, and uh, we would play in those woods all day on Saturday, just the two of us. We did that every Saturday morning with rare exception in the 4th, 5th, and 6th grade. When I got to the 7th grade, finally my dad said, okay, you're old enough now. You can bring one of your friends to go hunting with us but you know, as long as I'm there with you. So uh, that year, for the first time, I invited a friend to go hunting with me, and it was Tim Jamar. So Tim Jamar and I and my dad got up a little before daylight, and we left Tim's house. My dad and I drove over there and got him, and we left Tim's house. We walked across the road. We went down behind Mr. Carter's house. We went down into the woods where the bayou was where Tim and I had played every other Saturday morning for the last three years. And my dad said to Tim... Tim, you sit right here underneath this, he called it a den tree. It was a tree that had some squirrels living in it. It was their den. And Dad said to Tim, you sit here under this this den tree and a little after daylight you'll see some squirrels come out and you can shoot one of them. And he said, I'm going to take Ray right over here and uh, he'll sit over there under a different den tree and I'm going to be right over here. And so Dad put us both in place and he got in place and we sat there for about 15 or 20 minutes and it began to get just a little daylight. You couldn't really see to shoot anything yet, but you could tell there were some trees out there around you, and it was beginning to get just a little bit light, and all of a sudden I heard, Help! Help! Boom! 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 Help! Boom! 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 I thought, man, what's happening? and I heard my dad crashing through the woods, knocking down bushes and cracking limbs and making all kinds of noise. And when my dad went through the woods, it was like an Indian going through the woods. It was dead quiet, but boy, it wasn't quite that time. And, and I thought, man, what's happening? I jumped up and started running back over there to where Tim was, and when I broke out into the little opening there, the pin oak flat underneath that den tree, I saw Tim standing there with his shotgun in his hand. He was shaking. He was red in the face. He was perspiring. My dad had his arm around Tim's shoulder, and my dad was saying, you're okay. Just calm down. We're all going to be just fine. There's nothing to worry about. He said, now you couldn't see him, but Ray was right over there just a little ways from you. And he said, you couldn't see me either, but I could see you, and I was right over there. And so Tim did calm down, and we did hunt a little while longer. And a few hours later, we dropped Tim off at his house, and we got in the truck to start home. And the moment we closed the door, I couldn't wait to ask my dad, Dad, what in the world happened to Tim this morning? He said, well, son, that was the first time he had ever been in the woods by himself, alone. And I thought to myself, well, big deal. I've been doing that since I was in the fourth grade. And I guess Dad could tell by the look of my face what I was thinking. And he said, son, you've got to understand, Tim's father passed away when he was a little infant still in the crib. And Tim never had a father to teach him what I've taught you about how to get through the woods. You know, the day's going to come when you're going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's going to be dark, or at least shadowy as you enter the valley. And I'm sorry, but nobody will be able to go with you. There may be some loved ones in the room with you as you depart for that valley, but none of them will go with you. You'll be by yourself. You'll need a reference point. And if you have put your faith in what this book says about Jesus that died on the cross for you, you will be able to have, I want to say as much, but that's not true, you'll be able to have more confidence than I have when I'm in the woods when you pass through that valley. Because you'll have a reference point. i like to have every head bowed and every eye closed.